Last week we looked at, um, uh, well we looked at church as family but we looked at it primarily in the context of adoption. Um, so looking at how we um, as God's family get into this family um, and we looked at how Jesus adopts us uh, into the family um, and we become part of um, God's family, the church. Um, and this week we're going to be looking um, at some of those family values, um, at how we as a family do life together. Um, I guess it's worth mentioning at that point there's probably so much we could say um, in terms of family values um, that actually we could be here for four hours or whatever Um, I promise we won't be here for four hours Um, in fact I promise we won't even be here for nearly that amount of time Um, but we are going to look at um, a few um, values and the way the the reason we're not going to be here for four hours is because I've essentially picked three um, values that I think I believe are core to us as a church um, as a church family Um, so this afternoon we're going to look at love unity and maturity so love um, we've actually had prophetic words about us as a church that we would be known for our love and miracles so obviously that's something key for us that's something we're carrying um unity in a city like london um it's kind of easy to get lost in the crowd um and unity that togetherness where you come together um in unity around a common um goal common uh, commonality if you like um, is quite rare in London and you end up with people living very independent very lonely lives so we're going to look at unity as well um, and then finally maturity um, uh, if you're a visitor here or even if you're not a visitor here you've probably recognized the demographic in our churches is somewhat lower uh, than other more established churches around um, even in the area around us um, our demographic is slightly um, on the younger side and so maturity is a very key part in terms of us maturing not just physically but maturing spiritually as well ensuring that the faith that we have grows into all that God intended it to rather than um, just physically growing old here not that there's anything wrong with that and I pray that many of us do do that um, but we want to grow up spiritually um, in our faith as well Um, I guess the first thing to mention about family when we start talking about this is that family is complex, right? Um, Family is always complex. Um, I want to try and illustrate that. Um, So I have three volunteers um, who should be ready to leap to their feet. Where are they? Um, Alex, Chris and Matt. Perfect. Great. Um, Guys, if you just want to come down the front, um, I'm going to... I'm going to illustrate just how complex families are. Um, And the way we're going to do that is we're going to take one aspect of families. um, We're going to look at just literally one aspect, geography. We're going to look at the geography of families. um, And so, uh, well, why don't we start with you, Matt? Um, So, Matt, uh, how many uh, siblings and cousins do you have? Uh, About ten. About ten. Okay. Do we have ten volunteers? If we have 10 volunteers, why don't you stand to your feet? There's going to be a few of you on your feet, don't worry. You're not going to be the only one. Um, thankfully, we take, don't take ourselves too seriously, so hopefully this illustration will be relatively lighthearted and enjoyable. Um, but brilliant. Um, so if the 10 of you... Matt, whereabouts do those 10 cousins live? Uh, we've got London, Manchester, uh, Cornwall, Germany, Worthing, Scotland, America. I think that's... 
So they, they kind of moved as far away from each other as they could. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> so you volunteers, why don't you spread out across the room, find your own space somewhere. It doesn't matter where. Um, and we're going to move on to our next family. Um, Alex, how many cousins do you have? About 20. About 20, right. Brilliant. And whereabouts do your 20 cousins live? Uh, two main, Sussex and Washington State. Right, okay. So if we've got 20 volunteers, why don't you jump to your feet? Um, we need one group to represent Sussex, probably about here, I would have thought. Um, and then one group to represent the States that's probably going to be somewhere over the back, I would have thought. The exact numbers don't matter too much. And finally, our third family, Chris. How many cousins do you have? I feel like I've got so much power. <laughs> um, I've got probably about 15. 15. Right, okay, and whereabouts are they located? Mainly in London, Manchester and Accra. London, Manchester and Accra. So if we have 15, um, roughly evenly split. So why don't we have five, um, five of those cousins down here um, next to Chris, five of them in Manchester, perhaps a little bit further away, and then 15 somewhere else, uh, five, the other five in the other room. So why don't those 15 cousins jump to their feet? <laughs> that does require volunteers. Um, I told you it was going to get fun. Um, so if we end up with five cousins uh, down in London, five in Manchester, five in Accra. Um, at this point, you can see families, even though we, we've just taken three families, we've looked at one aspect, geography, and we've basically dispersed those families, um, well, metaphorically across the world. Um, at that point, um, suppose these three families all decided to have a reunion, um, I want all of those families to congregate to each one of these representatives of those family, which means the foxes probably want to gather here, the good cells here, and Chris over the other side. <laughs> All right. Okay, I know your family, but don't get too chummy, um, or else we'll, we'll, we will be here for four hours. Um, at this point, you can see each of our different families are represented by different people. They're diverse. They're, there's all sorts of different things going on. Um, but each of them, if you like, have their own dynamics, their own people. And so as soon as we start introducing things like the social issues and pressures and stuff like that into family, actually families become increasingly, increasingly, increasingly complex. Um, at that point, I'd love to give our volunteers a wonderful round of applause. Thank you all very much. Um, so you can see, even just with three families taking one specific aspect, it, the whole thing just gets really complex um, as soon as you start scattering people around and things like that. Um, it may be that when I mention church's family or I mention even family at all, um, Actually, it starts to bring up some memories, perhaps um, good memories, sometimes perhaps even bad memories. Um, but the reality is that all of us have a concept of family, whether it's positive or negative. And very often, if our, negative, if our experience of family is negative, 
it's often very easy to identify some of those negative things. Um, you, you know, you might, within the family, there might be patterns of manipulation or something like that. And there might be um, stuff to do with uh, separation and things like that. There might be conflict and family uh, disagreements um, and stuff like that. Um, there might be some of the negative things that you might think about. But equally, actually, if we think about good families, there's still often a lot of things to work on. Um, there's still often a lot of things. It doesn't matter how good we say that our family is. When we start to reflect and think about it, actually we start to understand, well, maybe that wasn't quite so, um, that wasn't quite so good. Or that wasn't particularly healthy. Um, and things like that. For instance, my, my own experience, I, I would say that I come from a good family. Um, my, it was a Christian home. My parents loved me. I knew they loved me. Um, and yet, as a family, I would say one of the things that we are working on and dealing with is communication. Um, as a family, we just don't communicate particularly well. We're quite a pragmatic family. And so even though it looks good, um, and actually it feels good, and it was a very loving, nurturing environment, there's still things that we have to work on. There's still stuff that we have to push through on um, and uh, work on. And so at that point, uh, I'd love us to turn to these um, three, if you like, values of family. Um, it's important that we don't get into a mindset of, well, this is what families do and this is what families don't do. Um, because as soon as we do that, then all of a sudden we start to set some rules and make some boundaries. And as soon as you don't conform to those boundaries and those rules, then actually you're outside of the family. The issue is that, as we looked at last week, if we've been adopted into this family, just like any other family, if you do something against the family rules, you aren't immediately then just pushed out of that family. Um, and so it's really important that we understand these as values rather than rules. These are things that, as a church family, we are to hold to um, and we are to cling to. Um, so the first one of those is love. Um, and we're going to turn to uh, John 13. It should come up on the screen behind me. Um, John 13, verses 34 uh, to 35. Jesus said um, in the Gospel of John, uh, there it is, um, a new covenant I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are meant to love one another. Love includes a lot of things. Um, love is a very, is, is in our society has become quite a general term. Um, it can mean all sorts of different things depending on the person, depending on the relationship, depending on the context. Um, I want us to jump um, to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, where the Apostle Paul talks about love in the context of church. Um, just to paint a bit of a picture for you, um, the Corinthian church was a bit of a mess, really. Um, as a church itself, they had all sorts of craziness going on. There were factions. There were um, there were people ingrained in deep, deep uh, kind of sin issues um, that weren't being dealt with. Um, there was a whole host of mess. If you just read the first uh, twelve, well, eleven chapters of Corinthians, you see that there's this 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 pattern of of really quite unhealthy uh, relationships and really not a lot of love um, right the way through the book. Um, and 
Paul, when he then talks about um, when they gather together as a church, he says, actually, even when you gather together, it's a complete mess. Um, He says the whole thing is just, he he said, I'd rather you didn't meet together um, because it's that bad. Um, And then he gives them instructions on what they should do when they meet together. And then right in the middle of it, um, he writes uh, this in 1 Corinthians 13. It's often read at weddings. Um, We often think that this was written to a married couple, um, which if you look at the context of the book just seems a little bit crazy. Um, It is definitely meant to be a pattern of love, um, but um, it was written to a church. It was written as if somebody was writing it to Revelation Church and saying, if you want to love one another, this is what love looks like in that context and so we'll start from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, verse, uh, chapter 13 verse 1 um, if I speak in the tongues of angel and of men um, but have not love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing so at this question you might ask the question well what is love if we don't have love um, then essentially we have nothing And then he goes on, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. At that point, that's quite an extensive list. Um, we might be tempted to at that point just reflect a little bit and just say, God, is there anything in my own life that doesn't reflect that? Um, Are there areas of my own life that I need to work on the character of love in order to to live a life of love? Um, How how am I going to do that? How am I going to practically put that um, into action? Um, we will come back to love uh, more in the application. Um, but moving on, unity, uh, this idea of togetherness, um, the idea of um, coming together. Unity doesn't necessarily mean you always gather together, um, but Unity should mean that you definitely rally together, that you actually come together about a common uh, purpose or a common goal. Um, It might be, uh, for instance, if we think about unity, um, I guess a particular example for us at Revelation Church would be unity with the other churches in the areas. Now, we don't meet with each other every Sunday. That would would be logistically quite difficult. We see that in the New Testament, that it would be logistically quite hard to gather as the whole church all together. And so, as we... We gather together with the Fleet Arts guys, so with the, um, with the other churches in the area to put on the Fleet Festival that we do every spring. And we gather with guys from Chalk Farm Baptist Church, with New Life in Tuffman Park, with St. Luke's in Kentish Town. Actually, as we do that, we are coming together in unity about a common goal. We're coming together in unity as we declare that we are about reaching this part of London with the good news of Jesus. Um, suppose, for instance, I, I want to try and illustrate this with a family. Um, so my wonderful wife is somewhere at the back with our daughter. Um, her grandfather, um, her, yes, grand, grandfather, um, is, uh, he's, he's a bishop in a church. Um, and uh, he has 
five children. Each of those children got married, so he has ten children, if you like, some of them in-laws. Below that, uh, they then have, uh, within, uh, there's 23 first cousins, and that's just on her mum's side. So there's 23 first cousins, right? And we get to see them every now and again, um, but they live very different lives to us. Just because of circumstances, because of where they are, because of the things that they face, the lives look very, very different. And very often we can see that with churches, that things look different. Stylistically, because of where we are, because of what we do, things look very different. Um, the thing is, when family events happen, all of those cousins come together. And actually everybody comes together around a common purpose, whether it's weddings or birthdays or funerals, those sorts of family events where everybody comes together. And it doesn't matter how uh, different uh, people look, how different um, things are, everybody comes together around a common uh, theme, if you like. And actually a lot of the time when you look at it, the common theme is Tanika's granddad. That actually he is, if you like, the connection between all of these different cousins. He's the one that brings them all together. Um, and believe me, if Tanika's granddad phones up and says, you're coming to this, you're going. Um, so, it, you know, but it, it's, it's a rallying point where, um, where, regardless of where people are at, they come together um, and they come in unity. And they come together for um, common goals. You see, it's not about necessarily preferences, oh I'd rather not do this actually it's about a coming together as a family um, and that's what we believe in, that's what we believe that actually we come together as a family, we don't gather necessarily to, if you like um, a uh, person that we necessarily physically see but we do gather to a person we gather to Jesus um, we gather, he is the central figure um, and it, the Bible says that he literally purchased us as his family. And so now when we come together, the commonality that we have is found in the person of Jesus. The thing that we have that unites us is the work of Jesus on the cross and the effect that it then has in our life. And so moving on then, maturity. Um, well, uh, I want to jump over to... Um, Hebrews 24, uh, I believe we might have skipped a slide, that's fine. Um, let's just jump to Hebrews 20, uh, chapter 10, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Um, and let us, uh, verse 23, we'll go from verse 23. Um, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And so at that point, there's this maturing process that goes on, where we spur one another on, where we love one another, we come together in unity, and we encourage one another, we spur one another on to good works. Um, I think uh, it would be very easy at this point to fall into the rule trap, right? And start to set rules. Well, this is how we grow. This is how we mature. Um, but the Bible is actually really clear um, that actually maturity is an act of what we call grace. 
Maturity is actually God's undeserved favour. It's, it's essentially us getting what we don't deserve. Maturity, us maturing um, as believers and growing up in the faith is actually us receiving something of what we don't deserve. Um, and a part of God's grace to us, a part of God's maturing of us, is actually brothers and sisters around. So if you have a look around you, each one of us are to be maturing each other. Now the way that we do that here is with running partners. Where you gather together with two or three people and you ask those difficult questions. You ask those questions. You share your lives. You begin to open up um, and it's, it's a two-way thing, right? It's not just kind of like offloading your issues, um, but actually it's helping challenge um, and sharpen other people. And so uh, running partners are actually really effective um, in terms of equipping people to maturity, in terms of bringing people through to maturity, in terms of facing things and thinking, okay, well, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about an oppressive boss at work? What does the Bible say about the injustice that I find with my neighbours? What, what does the Bible say about that? And then being able to pray and work that through with faith. And we also do it with GCs. We gather together in GCs. They're another opportunity to come together and sharpen one another. And we're actually, we um, start to gather together and actually, again, challenge each other on some of these topics. Challenge each other on mission um, and where we're going. Um, see, it doesn't necessarily matter about the things that we face, the circumstances we find ourselves in. Maturity is then about how we respond to those things. Are we prepared to look with faith for what God's going to do? Um, following on from that, um, maturity is about sharing the pain with each other, um, but also sharing the victories with each other and celebrating the victories with each other. Um, and next week, um, so the 30th of August, um, we're actually going to have a testimony Sunday. Um, so instead of an actual preaching slot, um, we're actually going to have a time of testimonies um, that will last for 15, 20 minutes or so, where we will celebrate the goodness of God and the good things that he's doing. Um, and that's really that's really important that we do that, and that we don't get um, kind of we, we don't kind of just brush those things under the carpet. Um, there's one thing that I want to pick up on from all of these. If we jump over to the next slide, what we'll notice about every single one of these points about love, unity, and maturity. Um, oh, actually, if we go again, um, so. In John 13, uh, the first passage that we read, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I've helpfully put it in green. Um, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Secondly, from the John 17 uh, passage that I was meant to read, um, I in them and you in me, they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me and then thirdly 1 Peter 2 those good works that Hebrews tells us to spur one another onto um, keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honourable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation each one of these things leads to an example Each one of these things leads to us as a family being an example to the world around us. So John 13, that all people will know that you are my disciples. 
John 17, so the world may know that you sent me. And 1 Peter, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on this day of visitation. We're meant to be, as believers, as the church, we're meant to be an example of how to do family and how to model family well. Um, At that point, uh, if you're not a believer here and you're thinking to yourself, do you know what, Uh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Um, I don't really know what the church is about. Um, Perhaps your idea of church is something different to what you've experienced today. Um, Then actually I would say that the church... um, is about values of family. Church is about gathering around the person of Jesus Christ, coming together in unity around him, and actually believing that what he accomplished for us on the cross, when he died for our sin, and as I mentioned earlier, when he purchased us to be his family, that actually we come together in unity, that we come together in love, looking for him to mature us, looking for him to bring us through to a place of faith and maturity Um, and perhaps this whole thing is a little bit alien to you I would encourage you to um, just chat to whoever brought you um, and just say do you know what I don't I don't necessarily understand or I don't necessarily get how a group of people that ended up in North London can be a family together Um, then I would encourage you to just ask those questions Um, I'm more than happy to chat Um, I know Hager is who was at the front earlier Um, or even just turn and chat with the person that brought you but It's about actually finding our way into God's family. Um, And then finally, if you are a believer... um And perhaps family does throw up all sorts of things for you. It throws up all sorts of um, negative thoughts, negative emotions, difficult things that you know you still need to work through. Or maybe it's not necessarily even negative, but you still know that there's certain things that God's pinpointing. Um, Then I just want to read from 1 Peter um, 1 verse 18. Uh, It says... Uh, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. It says that we were ransomed, we were bought out of the futile ways that we inherited from our forefathers. It doesn't matter what they are, if the overall experience was positive or negative, we've been rescued out of the futile ways that we inherited from our forefathers. Um, So what I'd like you to do, I'd like you to stand, Uh, I'm going to pray, I'm going to invite the band back up. And just while we're in this place, uh, I'm going to read... Uh, those verses from 1 Corinthians again. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Lord, we thank you for your love 
uh, towards us. Lord, we thank you, um, Lord, that we, we only love because you first loved us. Lord, we thank you that we can stand here, um, Lord, knowing that we are loved by our Creator, knowing that we are loved by our Heavenly Father, and that, Lord, as your family, we come together in love and unity, Lord, looking to you to mature us and bring us through to um, a place of security and steadfastness in you. Lord, not rooted in anything that we've done, Lord, but rooted in your work on the cross. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, keep us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.